I want to talk to you about the tangible versus the intangible. This is, a, this is what I call one of my practical sermons. Practical sermons. Some of my sermons are not so much theological, though this is, has some theology in it, no doubt, but is more practical, more application practice. Um, the tangible versus intangible. In, in the Bible, Syria was coming against Ahab, the king of Israel. And... The guy coming against him was Ben-Hadad. Ben-Hadad of Syria was coming up against Ahab, the king of Israel. Syria came up against Ahab with multitudes of people. 32 kings gathered together against Ahab. The force simply looked overwhelming. There's a, there's a um, philosophy of war. It's called overwhelming force. And, and they had it. We, we pick up at the verse we're going to read. I'm just going to read really two verses. But I'm trying to give you a background. We pick up with Ahab relying on, replying to, I should say, Ben-Hadad's ridiculous request of Ahab. He made a request basically that nobody could keep. And he said, if you don't keep this and you're, we're going to war, we're going to come in and take you over. And 1 Kings, if you want to turn there, 1 Kings chapter 20. In verse 11 through 12, 10 through 11. I know you didn't have that in a bulletin because it wasn't in there. Uh, but 1 Kings chapter 20, verse 10 through 11. And Ben-Hadad sent unto him and said, The gods do so unto me and more also if the dust of Samaria shall suffice for the handfuls of all the people that follow me. And it was true. Then the king of Israel, that's Ahab, answered and said, Tell him, let not him that girdeth on his harness boast himself as he that putteth it off. Let me read that again. Let not him that girdeth on his harness, that's his sword and his, his uh, war equipment. Let not him that girdeth on his harness boast himself as he that putteth it off. What was Ahab saying? He says there's a difference between the tangible and the intangible. Putting on the sword is intangible. You don't know what's coming after you put your sword on. Only when you're taking your sword off and the battle's over do you have some tangible results. And so I got the idea of the tangible versus the intangible. Brother Benny has mentioned something about that too. It kind of tweaked me. People spend, and we spend a lot of our time, a lot of our life in the area of the unseen, the intangible. Uh, what is an intangible? Well, fantasy is intangible. I'm concerned about people who spend too much time in fantasy. I know the reality of this world is rough, tough, cruel. To, I mean, but some people, to hide from the reality of life, they go to the fantasy. They go from the tangible, the real, the real world, and they go into the intangible, the fantasy world. And they do video games, or they read novels, there really is no place called Narnia. There is no underworld, inner world, above world, and this is it, what you got. There really is no Star Trek, Captain Kirk, Mr. Spock. 
there really is no Star Wars. We cannot travel from planet to planet. Uh, we can barely get to the moon. And, and we, we, that is just it is an area of the intangible. And you've got to be careful. A little of that will not hurt you, but it, it tends not to stop it a little. It tends to be possessive. And it tends to, it's an area where people begin to hide to stay away from the tangibleness of life. So they hide in the intangible. In other words, it bothers me if women are reading romance novels. I just wonder why. My wife does, yeah, I, I asked her, I said, now be careful what you're reading. I watch what my wife reads. I said, don't, don't, don't have a, a, a fictitious husband that's a romantic because you don't have one. And, but you do have a maintenance man. That's a real world. Disneyland is intangible for the most part. Star Wars, Star Trek movies, intangible, intangible. So, but we live, the problem with all this is we actually live in a tangible, feelable, real world. Uh, there are tangible rules in the life we live here, here on earth. We have like gravity is pretty tangible. Thermodynamics, everything's running down. Motion, the, the law of motion, the law of friction. Man, that's wearing everything you got out. All those things are tangible laws, and we thrive on tangibles in our life. Something you can touch, you can handle, you can possess, you can see, you can eat, you can throw, you can maneuver. The things that make the world function daily for the most part, are tangible things. The sunrise, the sunset, the clouds, the rain, the temperature, the fishing, hunting, farming, building, uh, uh, making, doing, constructing, all are tangible things. And then we as Christians are asked to enter into the spiritual realm called salvation, the intangible area. Much of what is in the Bible deals with the intangible area of life, the invisible area, the invisible realm. 2 Corinthians 4.18 says, while we look not at the things which are seen, that's the tangible things, but the things which are not seen, those are the intangible things. For the things which are seen, those things you can touch and feel and experience in your senses, they're temporal. But the things which are not seen, the intangible things, those are eternal. Ooh. Spirit is not corporal. It's not tangible. They that, God the Father is looking for people to worship him in spirit and in truth. Moses faced the same dilemma that we face. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 27 says, but by faith he forsook Egypt. That was a tangible, right? He could see it, he could smell it, he could taste it. Not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. That's the intangible. He saw what you couldn't touch, what you couldn't feel, what you couldn't taste, what you couldn't sense with the, with the five senses. Those are six senses. How do you have five senses? 
The women have six senses. Egypt offered him all the tangible wonders of this world, didn't it? Think of, oh my, think of the height of Egypt. But what they've left behind. All the physical pleasures that they had invented and become pros at, he had access to. All the material possessions, the greatest empire in the entire world, richest place in the world, most beautiful place was Egypt when Moses was there. All the visual delights. I, I would just love to see what some of those ruins look like in their prime. I really would. Just what they look like, the color and the, and, and the decorations and the plants that they had. I'm sure they had plants around, flowers and things. All the culinary delights, the foods that they ate, uh, everything that one could touch, smell, see, taste, and feel, God asked Moses to leave. He gave up and forsook all that tangible for God's promise of the intangible. As if he could see him who is invisible, God. And so Moses, upon weighing these two choices between tangible and intangible, understood that one had to pretty much be left if you were going to embrace the other. One was intangible, it could be kept forever, and that's what Moses said. And with his choice, Moses forsook all of those pleasures that Egypt had to offer. Now, folks, there aren't many people under those kinds of environment would make that kind of choice. I mean, they take the now and the now. Hey, you know, I don't have the then and the then. I got the now and the now. The problem with this choice is simple. The tangibles can be held in our hands, seen with our eyes, enjoyed with our bodies. The intangible are enjoyed with our spirit. Hmm. Different level. And they're enjoyed with our mind and our understanding but are not enjoyed physically. The things of God are enjoyed in your spirit. That's why it's so... See, the rock and roll, the, what, what Brother Barrow's talked about, has taken over uh, most of Christianity now. It's just outright crazy rock and roll. I mean rock and roll like the old, the old uh, bassist groups used to do. They've just copied it. And it's appealing to the flesh, to the tangible. It gives them a high that they can feel. They can sense it. They can touch it. They, get, they, they go to them places and they get high. They come away and go, wow, we had a service. But when you come to a spiritual service, when you come to a spiritual service and you open this hymn book and you, you sing, I will sing the wondrous story, the world goes, what? I don't get no thrill on that. But the born-again Christian said, ooh, sing the wondrous story. But what part about the born-again Christian is being touched? It's the intangible side. It's the spirit. That song, How Firm a Foundation, that is touching your spirit. When, when, you, when you read through and sing through those words, that, that's touching your, that's not, that's not working you up into a frenzy. That is appealing to a whole nother part of you, a spirit. Now that is really hard to communicate 
to somebody that's blind. Because the body longs for the tangible. It longs for the satisfaction that the tangible brings it. But the spirit longs for the intangible. And, and the satisfaction that spiritual things bring to the spirit. And I can testify, I've been around long enough to tell you, there's phenomenal satisfaction in the things of God. You know, Christians often grow discouraged at this battle between the tangible and intangible, if I may put it that way. Sometimes they feel like they're not doing anything of value in God's work because there's nothing they can grab on and see. They read the Bible, pass out tracts, teach Sunday school classes, Awana, and maybe even after that they have no real sense of accomplishment. So, and I, I went through that early on, and how I have adjusted to help myself, and ho also uh, hopefully help you, feel some tangible satisfaction and spiritual satisfaction in the service of an invisible God. I'm going to try to suggest a few things tonight that you are pretty well familiar with if you've been here much at all. First of all, make a goal in your Christianity. Don't flow through life. Don't flow through life. You know that nobody that has a job can just flow through. How about Mrs. Rudder here as a teacher, fits to sixth grade? If I said, oh, Mrs. Rudder, don't worry about your, your day planner or your week planner or your, or what do they call them, those things you plan all year? <laughs> I'm not a teacher. Those, those uh, lesson plans. Oh, yeah, yeah. Don't worry about 36 weeks of lesson plans. These teachers have... 36 weeks of lessons planned. They know where they're going, how to get there. They are organized. They are detailed. They have the day tomorrow. They know what they're going to do, where they're going to do it, how they're going to do it, with what they're going to do. Now, what would you say? Oh, don't act. That's a downer. You just show up in the morning and whatever the Spirit leads, just do it. I hate to say that that's the way people are living their Christian, their Christian lives in a lot of times. comes to everything they do in this world. They got plans. They got organization. They got, they got these telephones to help them do everything. But when it comes to doing things of God, they don't, eh. I feel like reading a couple chapters of the Bible once in a while. Or I, I may peruse this once in a while. Or I may do this a little bit once in a while. And they consequently don't get much done, do they? You know. So the first thing, if you want to overcome this uh, in serving God and, and somehow get into this drift of, of, of the unseen and invisible, you got to be careful. You, what I have done in my own life is to try to bring some of these unseen things into this realm over here, the tangible realm, and first of all, set some goals. <coughs> I have a goal of passing out. I try to pass out 40 tracks a week. I have them in my truck. I get them. I put them in there. I put them in my pocket. I think I got some with me tonight. I even carry them to church in case one of you need to be saved. I mean, I, I put one in your window on the way. But I mean, uh, I, I mean, it's just, it's just, 
You know, when I smoked cigarettes, I went and bought the cigarettes for 35 cents a pack. 35 cents a pack. I said, I want Marlboro, 35 cents a pack. I had a, I had a pack in my car and a pack in my shirt and a pack in my... And, and, I, and I, I... Otherwise, you'd be bumming cigarettes from somebody because you'd run out. In other words, you, the world plans their things. They, they want, and why is it we get, we get to be Christian all of a sudden we don't want to set any goals? Well, I don't really want to set any goals. Well, if you don't set goals, guess what? If you shoot for nothing, you're going to hit it. If you shoot for something, you will hit it. And so one of the things that's helped me in this area is to make a goal. And then to record it tangibly. Now, here's where most people fall down. They'll set a goal and not tell their wife, not tell their family, not tell the church, not tell anybody else. They'll have a personal goal, and they'll just keep it between them and God. Problem is, it's easy to be defeated in that environment, because if you don't make your goal, God don't show up and say, hey, what are you, what, 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 you didn't do, you didn't, but if you, if you tell someone else and you partner with them, I was going to run. And when I, was, when I was in my 40s, you crisis out in your 40s. You think, man, I'm losing it. And so you begin to exercise. And, you know, it's, it's just a real, real uh, predictable. And so at 40-something, I thought, well, man, I got to start doing something. I got to run. <clears throat> so I started running. And I got a hold of Tim Ripley. And I said, Tim, I need to run. He said, I need to run too. And he said, but I, I said, I'm not doing too good at it. And he said, well, I'll tell you what. Why don't we partner together? And I'll call you on Monday, Wednesday, Friday. We're going to run three miles Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And guess what? Monday, I didn't want to run. He called me up and said, Bill, get your stuff on. I'm going to be down here. Oh, man. Get your stuff on, Bill. I'll get my stuff on, meet him down there and run. Wednesday, he didn't want to run. I'd call him up and say, now, Tim, come on down there. Now, you're going to run now. Oh, God. Friday, we didn't, neither one of us wanted to run, but we called each other up. Because <clears throat> nobody in their right mind would want to run. <clears throat> it's terrible. It's just, like, it's just like I'm going to take a hammer and beat on my thumb or something. Um, but after you run about two months, it becomes fun. But boy, it is really hard to get to that point. People say, well, you'll get some endorphins. I said, when? I need them. <laughs> but you actually, you do get endorphins. It takes, but boy, you got to go through. Your body is slow to recover. We'll follow up on that. But eventually, you can run. And at the end of that thing, you're like, whoo, I got energy. At the end of it. That's the crazy part. At the end of it. And you stay up later, and you get more accomplished, and you get up earlier. It's, it's absolutely an oxymoron, but it's true. <clears throat> and what you do spiritually isn't, is not that far away from it. Parallels that. Parallels that. And <clears throat> so anyway, so what do I do is I set a goal and begin to record it tangibly. Okay, that's why you have a track board back there. The track board was conceived because in school I was a bad boy and I never got stars. Remember how your teacher put a little up there, you behave good, you get a little star. I really never got a star. Now, all these other do-gooders, they'd be, get a little star. I'd go out and beat them up in the playground. And uh, I love the bumper sticker I saw on the back of a truck one time. Thank God I got saved. I thought the bumper sticker says, my kid didn't make the honor roll, but he beat your A honor roll student up. I, I, thought, I thought it was a good bumper sticker, but anyway. <clears throat> I know. Don't do as I do, do as I say. But the, 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 the track ministry, 
the Bible reading ministry, I mean, was one of the deals where I was, I was reading my Bible, but I, was, I, mean, I needed accountability. So I was teaching an adult class, and I put a board up in the young adult class, and I said, I'll tell you what, I need accountability. How about you people? They were like, yeah, we need accountability. We're struggling. We're failing. We're not doing well. I said, why don't we all just put our name up here and just in front of everybody get embarrassed? We'll just get embarrassed in front of the whole class. Everybody else reads their Bible and you got two stickers. Oh. And so we put our names up there and we started. And I said, I want to put gold stars. I never got any gold stars. And I put gold stars all the way across that whole, that whole thing. And at the end, I was like, tangible it was tangible and the tangible helped me to do the intangible it was it was stupid simple but I just applied the rules that you'd apply in other areas and so I thought well man if it works in Bible it'll work passing tracks out I'd passed tracks out since I was 18 years old I always had a burden for tracks but I never shared it I kept it to myself and I thought, well, maybe the church would want to do that. So one December, I said to the church, you know, it's December 1st. <clears throat> People in December are open to the gospel, open to Christmas, Merry Christmas. They're pretty good with that. I said, why don't we, we, why don't we pass tracks out? Why don't we have what we call a track month? Just one month, the month of December. And why don't we go out and just inundate this area with gospel tracks? So we started out in just December we passed out 30,000 tracks that December. We went everywhere. We were every, I mean, the, the church got on fire on that thing. It was new. <clears throat> but then I found it was hard to sustain. Because then I said, well, let's do, if we can do it January, if we can do it December, let's do it all January. Fewer people. February, much fewer. There's about three of us doing it after a while. So I said, well, okay, we got to do something. So I thought of, if it worked for reading your Bible, and it, it would work for doing tracks. Except we're not going to name names like we do in reading your Bible. But you put your name up there and you put your little dots, by the way. I pray for those folks up on, up on that board. I prayed for last, last uh, Saturday night, last night. And I thought, well, let's do it. So I took and we made a track board. And we, at night, we said, I'll tell you what, everybody that's passed tracks out, just tell how many you did. Just call them out. We started calling the numbers out. And, and, and it, it, it creates something to look forward to, something tangible that you can look forward to after you've done something really intangible spiritually. And then stories like this guy picking one up in Terre Haute or like the guy in Kentucky that picked one off of the gas station and story after story after story that come back about the guy uh, bought a dishwasher and found one and, and, and the guy who bought a six-pack of, of Bud Light and found one and all of these other stories we hear about these people who find these gospel tracks. And, and nine out of ten of those stories are favorable. Favorable. And, and it was, it's, 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 the, it's the tangible Allowing your, your intangible to become accountable and bringing it into the tangible realm. The missions board back there in the hallway is a tangible reminder of what we're doing intangibly. A giving record is a tangible reminder. The amount of houses that we call on door to door is a tangible reminder of what we're doing. The amount of kids on the buses is a tangible reminder of what we're doing. All of these help to encourage us in this intangible work of God, though we labor in the invisible, we do show some progress, not, oh, not just about a fraction of really what's going on, but some progress by these tangible 
methods. I think that's why you need to sign up for these tangible methods and quit fighting it. You need to be part, everybody needs to put their hand on these tangible methods. Because you know what? Life is going by. And pretty soon you're going to look back and you'll say, in the last 10 years, I didn't read the Bible through, maybe, maybe read the Bible through one time. I can tell you, if you sign up on that board and get serious about it, you'll read through it. In 10 years from now, you'll be able to look back and say, I've read the Bible through 10 times. If you'll get serious about passing tracks out and say, okay, I'll pass out one a day. You'll pass out 365 tracks next year. But if you don't, you won't. Probably won't. Now, you know everybody likes to quote the exception on me. Well, I know this one guy, he didn't have anybody. and he Okay, there, once in a while, you get a self-motivated a person that doesn't need these kinds of things. But brother, I need them. We need to get all in and enjoy some of the tangible fruit of our, our labor. Be encouraged. I don't know about you, but it encourages me to hear people talk about the gospel tracts they pass out. Uh, it, it, it's a visual involvement. It's kind of a sort of a, a little pre-reward of our labor for what Jesus has done for us. These little tangible goals help keep us going in the physical realm. Why not? Why not? Why not put your track count up every night? You say, Brother Bell only did one. I thought, well, I hear these guys do 1,200. Guys do 800. Don't worry about them. Be encouraged for them. Be happy for them. But if you do one, do one. Say, one. Or you can do what Southern says, six. No, I can't even do it. Eight. I can't, I cannot copy Southern. Eight. She sings it. Eight. And let God take your disciplineless spiritual life and bring it into the realm of disciplined physical life. You say, brother, I think it's just mechanical. Read it mechanically. So you're not gonna, you're not gonna get me. You're not gonna say, well, brother Bill, I just don't think that's very spirit. Well, don't make you read the Bible. Trust me, you may go. Have you ever started reading the Bible and been carnal, like all the time, preacher? Have you ever started reading the Bible and say, I ain't gonna get nothing out of this? Have you ever started reading the Bible and say, I don't want to do this, and then God comes? You know, you'll read a verse and it'll be boom. The Holy Spirit just gets wound, just gets hit, and you go, wow. But if you hadn't forced yourself past the resistances of the tangible flesh, you never do anything, and you'll miss out what God has for you. Let me say this. I don't get up on Saturday morning, uh, on door-to-door, Saturday morning, and go, woo we get to go door-to-door, Kathy Lee. The reason I, I, I had door-to-door and we scheduled it for the second and fourth is because I need some accountability. And sometimes Kathy will be, man, I got a lot of stuff to do around the house here. And I said, it'll wait. Sometimes I'll go to her and say, man, I got a lot of stuff to do. I got this and that. She, it's just, she, oh, she loves to say this. It'll wait. And sometimes we both look at each other and say, we don't want to go. Oh, but we got to go. We got to go. So we come to door-to-door in the flesh. Bill Lytell, Kathy Lytell, in the flesh. And we come here, you don't know that we've been fighting all the way here. Preacher never fights, of course not. 
But, it, you know, it, it's her. <laughs> and so, you know, we get to church and, and, and we go. I'm, I'm saying happy. Ellie, how you doing, Pastor Bill? Fine. I, I love Jesus. <laughs> and <clears throat> we get our boards, get our area we're going to and go. It isn't two houses down in, in on that and all of a sudden God comes. And you're like, man, I'm glad I came today. Let me tell you, I've gone door to door with pain, with the gout. It was every step was painful. I've gone door to door with migraines and couldn't hardly think. And every, I never have been let down by God that when you'll do something against your flesh, he'll reward you spiritually in an intangible area. Let me say, if you don't get a grip on this principle tonight, you will not do much for God when it all comes down to it. And, and at the judgment seat of Christ, when he judges the things, deeds done in your body, whether it be good or bad, and all your works... You know, gold, silver, precious stone, hay, one silver stacked up, and his fire of judgment goes over that. You'll be more conscious than you are right now. And you will wish, and I will wish, that I had done better, that I had been more disciplined, that I had been more vigorous, that I had been more hands to the plow more serious about living for Jesus. Trust me on this, you will be. I don't think there will be anybody except there from some of that. Because we're all flesh. We all walk around in this human body. And sometimes we've given in to the old flesh and stepped back from what God wanted us to do. And consequently didn't finish that which he asked us to do. Oh, I guarantee you in December or whenever you finish your Bible reading, you'll have, there's some joy that is so deep about accomplishing something spiritual. It's just deep. It's better than catching lobster. It's better than shooting a 58-pound 50 pound black grouper. It's better than catching walleye with two poles. I call it a two-hand loop. I was, I was up there, and wall, I was catching walleye. I had two on at a time. We call it two-hand loop. They were biting so unbelievable up there in Bismarck. It's better than that. I am not deceived of the fact that those things on earth, which some of them can be exciting, are even close to the real, deep, serious uh, pleasure of the Spirit that God gives you from accomplishing what He wants you to do. Read the Bible this year. Pass some tracts out this year. Witness to your neighbors this year. Talk about Jesus to the people around you this year. Get in a ministry and be faithful to it. Be faithful to it. Discipline yourself. Make yourself hurt a little bit. Make, yourself, make, your, make your flesh squeal. Have your flesh ever squealed? Sometimes my flesh literally almost can hear it. No! It's like them, girl, it's like them women after Canavan was sworn in. They're outside going, No! <clears throat> You know, they had a, the Democrats were so frustrated, they had a night where they just went out and screamed at the stars. That almost hurt me doing that. 
They screamed at the stars. They were so upset. That's the flesh. He'll squeal like a stuck pig. But you'd let him squeal and do what's right. You know, when you fast, we haven't fasted this way in a long time. My health is not of such where I'm, I'm going to give it a shot maybe anyway. We fast seven days for every, at least once a year. We do seven days for numbers of years. And Why do you fast? Why is fasting in the Bible? It's because when you don't eat food, which is a basic engine to keep the physical engine running, right? When you don't eat food for seven days, you just drink water. You don't drink Pepsi. You don't drink, you don't drink tomato juice. You don't drink V8. That's cheat, 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 cheat. You just drink water. At that seventh day, you can stand back and almost have an out-of-body experience. You can see your body, and you can, see your, you can feel this too, your flesh. Your flesh and your spirit. Flesh, spirit. Your spirit has told your body what to do and what not to do, and your spirit's ruling over your body. Oh, I got to have food. I got to eat. Your body's screaming and yelling, jumping up and down, making your knees weak, making you shake, making you sweat. But you say, I don't care. Your spirit says, I don't care how bad you feel. You're not going to eat. And you begin to realize for the first time that you are made up of a spirit and a body. Don't let your body rule your spirit. May your spirit rule your body. That's why fasting is so good, because it shows you that so clearly. By the way, when you fast, your mind gets as clear, your memory gets sharp, and your spiritual understanding, my spiritual perception gets better. To where you almost hate to go back to eat. One time, and I'll stop with this, one time after a seven-day fast, I bought a pound of bacon. I went home and I fried. I don't, I don't cook. But I fried that bacon. Pound of bacon, brother. And I ate the whole pound. Wow. Wow. I mean, that thing cleaned me out. There wasn't anything to clean out, but it cleaned me out. I thought I was going to have to go to the hospital. Man, that tasted good going in. But whatever happens after a fast, don't eat a bunch of grease. Don't do it. I learned the hard way on that. My wife said, I, my encouraging wife, I told you so. Thank you, Kathy. Father, thank you tonight for your Holy Spirit. Thank you for the teaching of the Bible. Thank you. Help us so practically to approach this. This is a practical message tonight. I'm trying to share in some of these 40 plus years some of the battles that we run into. You don't have to lose, you can win. If you're losing, it's only because you're not, you haven't strategized right. I'm helping you with some strategy tonight. Help us, Lord, to see it. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, 
or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.